Father in heaven, we come to you in the mighty name of Jesus, that matchless name, that name that's above every other name, the name that Satan has to bow his knee, that name that gives us victory, the name of Jesus Christ. And we ask you to move in a powerful way and change lives all over the world today. In Jesus' name, and all of God's children say a big amen. Come on, clap like you're excited to receive a word from God. I just want to get a, a quick shout out to my great friends, you know, uh, God, how do, how do I give a shout out to Pastor Sam Monk? Well, Pastor Sam, I don't know how, so I'm going to give it this way. You're one of the most genuine men I know, and you have your wife and your family is such a beautiful family, and uh, you're one of the most humble guys I know, and you're also got a sense of humor that's uh, it's different, meaning you kind of try to pick on me, so I'm going to pick on you right now. No, I'm just kidding, Sam. But I love you. I love you. I love Kathy. I love your family. I love Equippers Church, uh, Auckland, and Equippers Church all over the world, and I'm grateful for this opportunity to minister here at the conference. We're excited. We believe that God is raising up the next generation of leaders like never before. Come on, shout like God is raising a generation. And I join you here. This is our leaders, and we're excited to be with you. And uh, we're excited for the future. And how many know weeping only endures for the night? But joy always comes in the morning. Come on, clap like joy comes in the morning. Trouble doesn't last, but God's people do. In the book of Matthew, chapter 9, verse 36, will be my text. And I'm going to read this scripture, and this is Jesus explaining really his heart. And he says, when he saw the crowds, the sick, the broken, the hurt, the maimed, he had compassion on them because they were confused and they were helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. And he said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. And ask him to send more workers into the fields. And today I'm going to talk to you from the subject, answering heaven's call. Answering heaven's call. And heaven is asking, will you rise up and gather this harvest on my behalf? I believe with all my heart, as we take care of God's harvest, God will take care of our lives and our harvest. Point number one, if we're going to answer heaven's call, we have to understand that we are chosen to carry his compassion and we are chosen to carry his power to a broken generation. Those are like the Batman and Robin or the dynamic duel, compassion and power. If you and I are going to be effective with heaven's call, we have to carry these two things, compassion, the burden of heaven and the power to get the job done. Because wherever God gives an assignment, he always gives the power to back it up. Thank God for that power. In Exodus 3, 9, and 10, in the Living Bible, we find where Moses is getting the burden or the compassion from heaven. He said to uh, Moses, uh, God said to Moses, the cries of the people has risen to me in heaven, and I've seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse and oppress them. And now I am sending you to Pharaoh to demand that he let my people go. 
And that's a powerful statement because at that moment, Moses is receiving something precious. And that's something that I received. And that's something I believe that today you're going to receive also. And what you and I need to receive if we're going to be effective in the call that God has in our life, if we're going to be effective in soul winning and gathering what I believe is the greatest harvest of souls we've ever seen, we're going to need the compassion of God. It's not natural. It's supernatural. It's a burden that comes from God. For Jesus said it this way, my burden is easy and my yoke is light. A lot of times in the Christian world, we don't want to hear the word burden. We say, don't be legalistic. Don't put that bondage on me. But I'm not talking about the burden of religion. I'm not talking about the burden of sin. But I'm talking about the burden of heaven. I'm talking about the burden the Lord carries. And that's the burden for the souls of men. That's the burden for the harvest. How many know we want to receive the burden of the Lord? Moses was just, you know, having a normal life. Moses had a normal career. Moses had a normal wife and a normal family. But then Moses had an encounter with God. And when he had an encounter with God, the Holy Spirit began to put a burden on him. And he began to feel the compassion for the people. And if you and I are going to be effective in the call of God in our life, then we have to be open and willing to receive the encounter of God and the compassion of heaven. Because once that hits your heart, you'll never be the same again. What the compassion of God does, it puts a fire in your loins. David said, zeal for your house has consumed me. Once you have a a compassion, you'll never be the same again. Shout like you believe God can impart, impart compassion. This is what happened to me in my own life personally. Uh, Maybe almost 20 years ago. At that time, I was, you know, my my life was going great. I was in ministry, but I was going a, a certain direction. Then God showed me this scripture and he spoke to me. I heard his voice as clear as I'm talking to you. And he told me, I heard the cry of the people, mijo. I heard the cry of the people, son. And I'm going to send you to the Pharaoh of that city to tell that Pharaoh to let my people go. And when God spoke to me, I literally felt the cry. And I heard the cry. And I felt the pain of the people. And I felt the pain of the people that I was called to liberate. And that's very important that, that, that you and I uh, have encounters with God where he can impart that supernatural burden of compassion. Where the heart of Jesus can be transferred into your heart. And that can happen with one encounter. What I've noticed in my life that as I've served the Lord over 30 years, this area can kind of wane a little bit. Where you can begin to do the works of the Lord out of maybe obligation or commitment. But how many know it's good to be committed and it's good to be faithful and it's good to do it just because you have to do it. But how many know we want to do it out of an anointing? We want to do it out of our heart. And that's something that we have to allow God to supernaturally impart to our heart. We have to be broken by the presence of God. We have to be broken by the pain of the people that we're called to liberate. Come on, shout like we can receive that supernatural compassion. Because unlike sympathy, sympathy says, I feel bad for your your plight. I feel bad for your pain. I, I feel bad for your struggle. But compassion says, I feel bad for you, but I'm going to do something about it. That's why you can't just carry compassion. You have to have compassion and you have to have the power to get the job done. I feel your pain. I I feel your suicide. I feel your depression. But I got the power to set you free. Shout like you got compassion and power. In Proverbs 24, 11, we're commissioned by Jesus. He said, rescue those being led away to death. 
or, and restrain those stumbling to the slaughter. And right now, so many people need rescuing. And I looked up the word rescue. Uh, it, it also means, it comes from the word save. And it means, it, it's when you go in to strip, to plunder, to deliver and snatch somebody out of the bondage or the oppressor. And that's the calling of the church. We're not called to be passive. We're not called just to be, Lord, bless me, bless me, bless me. And there's nothing wrong with bless me. Hear my heart. God wants you blessed. God wants you prosperous. God wants you successful because you got to be a good witness for God. But Christianity can't just be about us. Christianity has to be about saving the souls of men, rescuing them out of the hand of their Pharaoh. It has to be. If not, we can just become a positive club, a, a positive thinking. We just about all positivity and everything's about abundant life. And we want abundant life and we believe for abundant life. But true life is when we lose our life in order to gain the life that God God has for us first Peter 2 9 says it this way it said you are a chosen generation come on clap like you're a chosen generation it says a royal priesthood a holy nation his own special people and this is the purpose for him choosing you and I that you may proclaim the praise of him who called you out of darkness into this marvelous light. And I looked up the word chosen, and it means you've been gathered or collected. It actually comes from the word Lego, where, you know, if you're building a Lego and you have a piece that, that you, it's over here. What is this piece for? That piece has a purpose. And God said, I gathered you, I collected you for a special purpose. And the purpose that I called you for is to proclaim the praise of him. That called you out of darkness into this light. What is God is what God is saying is whatever darkness He brought you out of, that's where your testimony is, and that's where your power is. And now He wants you to proclaim as a generation, this is what the power of God has done in my life. How many believe we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony? Shout like you got a testimony of the power of God. Somebody shout, I'm chosen. If you have somebody next to you, just say, I've been chosen to carry this power. How many believe that you have the power of God on your life? I'm believing that the days and the months and the weeks and the years to come, that there's going to come a generation that's going to carry the power. You'll be cool. You'll have all the cool stuff, but you'll be separate because the distinction on your life and on your ministry is you are a carrier. Come on, somebody, of the authority and the packing and the dunamis of heaven, the power of God. I feel the anointing. Somebody ought to just shout right now. I can sense the anointing. Glory to God. In Luke 4.18, in the GW translation, it says about Jesus, and it's also saying about you. It says, he has anointed me or given me the power to tell the good news to the poor. He sent me to announce forgiveness to the prisoner of sin and the restoration of sight to the blind and to forgive those who have been shattered in life. And here we find that the role of the power of God is to break poverty off people's lives. So when that power comes on your life, it breaks spiritual poverty. People that are in darkness, people that are blind, people that are, if they died in that condition, would end up in a devil's hell. 
You see, a lot of times we don't want to talk about spiritual poverty and where that ends up. People end up with spiritual poverty or spiritual bankruptcy. When you die in that condition, where do people go? The truth is they go straight to hell. And nobody wants to talk about hell anymore. And that's why the people don't have urgency. But part of the burden of the church is you have to get a revelation that hell is real. And that you have been given the power of God to snatch them out of the enemy's hand. Didn't the book of Jude say your job is to snatch them from the fire? What fire? Hello? Not only does the power of God deliver them from spiritual death and poverty, but also financial poverty. And some of you are in nations right now where there's impoverishment, or maybe your nation's going through a season of impoverishment, or maybe families in your community have gone through impoverishment, but I'm going to come to tell you that God gave you power to break the spirit of poverty. God, come on somebody. There is an anointing from God to bring wealth. Jesus said in Deuteronomy 8.18, for I give you the power to get wealth. That power brings forgiveness. That power sets captives free. That power heals broken hearts. Those are things that man cannot fix. In America, we had COVID-19 and we had lockdowns. And the statistics are starting to come out that in one of our states, the overdoses from fentanyl, there are more people died of fentanyl overdose than they actually died of COVID-19. That's not including heroin overdose, suicide. So we're starting to see in America that the lockdowns have actually been almost worse than the actual COVID. Of course, because the people have demons and you lock them in their house with demons. And those demons, the, the demons and the voices intensify and there's no power to deliver. That's why more than ever, God needs a church with compassion and a church with power to set the... Come on. Because the government can't help them. Their family can't help them. But the church has the power to set the captive. I wish somebody would shout like you got the power of God. You got the juice of heaven. Acts 1.8 says you shall receive power. Shout power. When you are filled with the Holy Spirit and this power will turn you into a witness. I love one scripture that says that when the Spirit of God came on one man, he he began to prophesy. He turned into a different person. And that's what happens when the power of God begins to flow through your life. You may be naturally timid. You may be naturally not vocal. But when the power of God comes on your life, you become bold as a lion. Come on, the scripture said, the Lord has spoken. I can't help but to prophesy. Jeremiah said, I didn't want to talk. I was intimidated. I was insecure. But I couldn't shut up because that word was in my belly like a fire. Come on, somebody act like you're hungry for the oil of God. Act like you're hungry for the power of heaven. Shout yes. Power from God. I love the definition of the word power. When I first heard this, I said, oh, God, I want to move in power. It comes from the Greek word dunamis, and it means dynamite, dynamite power, explosive power. 
It means forceful power. It means mighty power. And it means miraculous power. How many want to move in forceful, mighty, miraculous, explosive power? How many want, God wants to raise a generation that heals the sick, that casts out demons. We're not afraid to cast out demons. Come on, we're not afraid to rebuke COVID-19. Come on, God wants you to cast out suicide. He wants you to cast out depression. Shout like we carry that power. God has not given you a spirit of fear. God has not given you. I'm prophesying to somebody right now. I can feel it in my soul. I declare today your day of fear is broken. For God has not given you a spirit of fear. But love, compassion, and power, and a sound mind. Shout like I'm talking to somebody today. I love the scripture where it says, you know about Jesus of Nazareth. I love the way it says Jesus of Nazareth. He didn't say Jesus of Bethlehem. Bethlehem's nicer than Nazareth. He didn't say Jesus of a nice neighborhood. It literally said Jesus of Nazareth. And I said, why would you put Nazareth? You know, like, my, like, 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 come on, Lord. I mean, Nazareth, even the Nazarite would say, their own people would say, nothing good comes out of Nazareth. And here the Bible is saying that you know about Jesus. You know he was from the hood. Come on, somebody. You, you know he was from Los Angeles. Come on. I'm just kidding. But he said, Jesus of L.A. I'm just my Jesus of Nazareth. And then it says how God poured out on him the Holy Spirit and power. And when God gave him that Holy Spirit and power, the scripture said he went about doing good. I love that word doing good. That word means philanthropy. So he was helping the poor. And then it goes on to say, and, say, and... With this power, he healed all who were under the power of the devil. For God was with them. And we clap and we celebrate and we say, look at the Lord go. But the Lord put Nazareth there to let you know he did what he did, not just as the son of God, but he wanted you to identify, I'm not just the son of God. I emptied myself of the part of that and I became Jesus of Nazareth that got power. Why did he do that? Because he wanted you to see how you can flow. Come on, Cloud, like you can flow. Because God asked you to do what he did, and even greater. But how many know we can't do what he did in our own ability? But the same power that rested on Jesus rests on you. For don't you realize you are the temple of the power of God? Clap like you carry that power. In the last days, Acts 2, 7, I felt the Lord say, share this. Because I feel like I'm talking to a generation of pastors a generation of entrepreneurs, a generation of leaders, and you're going to be caught up in the, in the soul winning of a generation. And I feel like this is a promise for you directly, that in the last days, how many believe we're in the last days? I actually believe we're in the last of 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 the last days. And you can't deny that these are the last days. But God said, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all your people, okay? But here is where you land. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. That means your words will carry authority. Your words will carry strength. Your words will carry deliverance. Your words will carry healing. 
Your words will carry the power of God. You'll prophesy. And then it says, and even your young men will have visions of greatness. I'm believing God that through this the next couple days, many of you young men and women are going to get visions of, of church planning. You're going to get visions of nations. You're going to get visions of opening up orphanages. You're going to get visions all over. Some of you are going to download visions of great business. Some of you are going to move into multi, multi million dollar status so you can fund the gospel. Come on, clap like God gives vision. God gives dreams. The spirit of God empowers. Number two, and I close with this point. It's, this is very important. Well, as I was praying, the Lord gave me this word. And it's very important. You hear what the Spirit is saying. Matter of fact, I'm going to drink some water on this point. Are you ready? I don't think you're ready. But because I'm walking in love, I'm going to give you this word anyway. I think you're ready. I'm just joking. It's not time to retreat. Listen to me. It's not time to be like the world. It's time to go forward and reap the harvest. Oh, Raboka. We, we experienced the greatest move of God we have ever experienced in 20 years of ministry, the last 24 months. And people keep asking me, how are you having revival in the middle of lockdowns? And a pandemic where everyone, all the churches are shutting down and nobody's coming back. You, you got lines wrapped around the building. I said, it's simple. I, ne I, I never received that we were in lockdown. Our bodies may be locked down, but the technology is not locked down. Come on, clap like I'm talking to you. But there was a temptation in my own soul. To just kind of bunker down and hold on and just, just make it through this tough season. But the Spirit of God corrected me. He said, it's not time to bunker down. It's not time to go into survival mode. This is the greatest opportunity of souls you'll ever have in your lifetime. And if you allow the fear of the enemy and all this to stop you, you'll miss out on the greatest harvest of souls. You prayed for this. You gave for this. You fasted. And now it's here. And you're going to let a lockdown shut you down. I rebuke the spirit of fear. This is our hour. Come on, somebody. We got to be innovative. We got to use technology. We got to use different methods. But it is not time to draw back. It's time to go forward. It's time to declare that Jesus saves, Jesus heals, Jesus sets free, and Jesus is coming again. Come on, clap like I'm talking prophetically right now. I rebuke that spirit of intimidation. I rebuke that spirit of Pharaoh. I rebuke that spirit trying to wear out the saints with law. I rebuke that spirit. In Jesus' name. Glory to God. This is why if the church is going, going to go, get hit with more persecution, I don't believe this is the, I believe more is coming. But I've been preparing our church for seven years. I said the church is not a building. If they shut the buildings down, they can't stop the church. The church is your name. Equippers. We equip the saints to do the work of ministry. Don't get me wrong. I love our buildings. I thank God for Sunday morning. We built this beautiful edifice here, this multi-million dollar campus right now. And, I, and, I, and we're raising money and we're building and we believe in church on Sunday. But what happens when they say you can't have church anymore? Is that the end of the church? 
Is it over? Do we bunker down and quit? I rebuke that. No, we rise up and we go into small groups. We rise up and we go to Zoom group. We rise up and we go social media. We don't back down. We go forward where the church and the Bible says the kingdom of God suffers violence, but violent men take it by force. The righteous are as bold as a lion. It's not time to retreat. It's time to go forward and reap the greatest harvest of souls your country has ever seen in its history. When we went through our lockdown, I warned our church. I said, be careful. Because for the first time in our lifetime, every idol has come down. Everything's shut down. But the time's going to come where their idols will come back. And the people will go back to their idols. But you have a small window of time to get their hearts one to Christ while they can't go to their idols. Because when their idols are restored, they can go back. And now is the time to snatch them out of Pharaoh's house. Come on, somebody. Shout like I'm preaching to you. Paul said it this way. You are to open their eyes. And you are to turn them from darkness to light. And you are to turn them from the power of Satan to the power of God and that through their faith in me they're going to receive forgiveness and an inheritance among God's people and I love this next statement and Paul said I went through it I was persecuted I was shipwrecked I was put in prison for my faith and eventually I was martyred but Paul said I was not disobedient to the heavenly vision. Pastors, leaders, upcoming leaders, that's your, that's your clarion call. No matter what comes our way, come hell or high water, love me, hate me, stay with me or leave me. I will not stop preaching this good news. I will not stop healing the sick saving souls, casting out devils, shout like we will obey the call of God on our lives. Proverbs 24, this hit me. It says, if you faint in a crisis, these are strong words, you are weak. I'm not weak. Say, I'm not weak. Then it says, okay, then rescue the perishing. Don't you hesitate to step in and help. And if you say, hey, that's none of my business, Will that get you off the hook? Someone is watching you closely. And you know that someone is not impressed with our weak excuses. No, church. The Bible says if you put your hand to the plow and you look back, you're not fit for the kingdom. I know these are strong words, but it's a strong time right now. It's not time for weak preaching. It's not time for playing. It's not time for survival. It's time for revival. Let me prophesy that again. It's not time for survival. It's time for revival. 
And the reason the enemy will try to attack you in a season like this is he's trying to separate you from your purpose. The enemy wants to keep us distracted with fear and failure. And I had to address this in our church. This is heavy. I'm going to say something heavy, but I'm going to say it. It's going to help somebody. I, I had to address this. I said, church, we cannot be afraid of dying. Lip, yeah, see? We cannot be afraid of dying. Because the greatest day in, a, in, a, in, in your life and in my life will be the day that I die. There'll be no greater... Now, I've had some good days. The day I married my beautiful Lizzie. The day I got born again. The day I had my, my three children. I've had some good days in this life. Days of heaven on earth. But as good as this life's been, and the good days I've had, is nothing compared to the day where I take my last breath here and I take my next breath in the presence of Almighty God. And when I get to heaven, I want to hear him tell me, well done, my good and faithful servant. You didn't allow fear to stop you. You didn't allow the enemy to stop you. You didn't allow failure to stop you. No, you obeyed the heavenly call. You obeyed the heavenly vision. How many can say today, I want to obey the vision of God. I want to win souls. I want to make disciples. I want to do God's will. If that's you in your living room, in your home group, wherever you are, all over the world, I want you to give God a shout of praise like you know he's able to keep that which you have committed to him for that day when I, I talked to our church I said when Jesus said let's go to the other side who was on the other side a demon possessed man that was going to get delivered and out of his freedom would come in a whole 10 cities that would get the gospel. And so the enemy sent that storm. And what did the disciples do? They freaked out. Don't you care, Lord, we're going to die? Don't you care, Lord, we're going to die? And they woke him up. He was sleeping. And he rebuked the fear. He rebuked the storm. And he told the disciples, where is your faith? Where, he didn't say you don't have no faith. He said, where is it? Because their faith was in the fear of dying. Their faith was in their, the, the fear of that storm. Storms are real, but we don't fear because the Bible said once you overcome the fear of death, then every other fear comes tumbling down one after another after another. I'm going to challenge you to face that fear. Listen to me, equipment. you got to face that fear. And listen, we don't want to die. We're going to be smart. We're going to be wise. We're not going to be we're not going to be ignorant, but at the same time, we're not going to allow the fear of anything to stop us from answering the call of God. 
We are not of those that draw back to failure, but we are the church of the living God. We are the church triumphant. We are the church conquest. We are the church overcomer. We are the end time church, and we serve the God that is able to keep us until that day. Clap like we're going to go forward without fear, without intimidation, without insecurity. We don't draw back freedom. We don't draw back a quiver. We go forward in the name of the Lord we are an army and we don't retreat the armor of God is frontal there's no back armor because we don't turn our back we go forward we run through troops we leap over walls we are the army of God I dare you to shout like I'm preaching come on somebody and I close with this the enemy sends attacks to separate us from our purpose. Then also the enemy tries to use failure. And maybe you made some mistakes. Maybe you've made some, I don't know. The Holy Spirit told me to tell you this. Don't let your failure put you under, con- put you under condemnation. The reason he tempted you was so he could condemn you after you failed. But I felt the Lord say to tell you this. You need to be strong and you need to be courageous and don't be afraid and don't be discouraged because the Lord is with you and Paul said it this way he said man I don't know about what you're gonna do he says well I'm gonna do I'm gonna do one thing I'm gonna forget what's behind me and I'm gonna strain toward what's ahead of me and I'm gonna press toward the goal to win the prize of which God has called me heavenward what did Paul say? He said, I made mistakes. I made failure. I, I, I made mistakes in my past. And I made mistakes as a leader. But he didn't allow his mistakes to condemn him where he couldn't get up and go forward. And I'm talking to some young man or some young woman right now. And you've allowed your mistakes to disqualify you. But I've come to tell you his grace is enough. His blood is enough. His mercy is enough. And this is God telling you, you need to get back up. You need to start that group again. You need to get back up. You need to accept that call again. I don't know what happened. I don't know what mistake you made. But the devil is a liar. I've come to announce to you, get up out of that cave. Get up out of there, Elijah. Don't let no Jezebel intimidate you. The blood has walked you. Let it not be, a, let it not be said of our generation in Isaiah 26, 18 that they have not accomplished any deliverance in the earth. That will not be said of you. It'll be said of you like Esther. If you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will come for the people. But you and your house will perish. But let it be said of you and let it be said of me and let it be said of our churches that we are those that answer the call. And we, have, we realize now, we recognize that we've been built for the battle. And when others are folding and quitting and bowing down to bail, we're rising up in the name of the Lord. And we're declaring like Esther. She even said it, if I die, then I die. But we declare like Esther when Mordecai said, honey, could it be that God, come on equippers, could it be that God has called you into the kingdom for such a time as this? You've been, I felt, 
the Holy Spirit just spoke to me. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but there's somebody. And the, the Lord said he saved you. He rescued you. He, you. he brought you and your family out of so much. And you went through all of that. And God says you've been built for this battle. You've been built for this fight. Now it's time to rise up and do the works of God. It's time to rise up and take your city. Take your nation. Take those schools. Take that college. Say, Pastor How, I release the spirit of wisdom. I release innovation. I release the strategies of God. It's time for the church to rise up. Lift your hands as I pray. Father, anoint them. Father, touch them. Father, right there, worship. Father, have your way in their life. Let's worship God. We love you. God bless you.